Chapter 30 of The Knights of the Square Table. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information, or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Read by Kyle Stadelhofer. The Knights of the Square Table by Secretary Hawkins. The Secret Room. Well, said Mr. Jeckerson, as we came back to the round room on the ground floor of the old stone tower, I guess we will sit the night out here. It's as good as any place. We have full view of the staircase and the outer door. Perhaps our old man's ghost may walk again later in the night. I'll wager you this time he will not fool us. He's too slick for us, I said gloomily or else he is a sure enough ghost. What? exclaimed Jeckerson. You don't want to admit now that there is such a thing as a ghost, do you, secretary? I shook my head warily. No, I said, but after all the strange things I've seen in this house, I'm ready to believe that the old man is the nearest thing to a ghost I ever saw. Jeckerson laughed. Doc smiled as he chewed his cigar. Well, said Jeckerson, I've said all I have to say. My business from this minute on is to be silent and watch. I saw that Doc Waters was going to be silent, too. He settled himself for a quiet nap in one of the rickety chairs. Link was like myself too nervous and frightened to think of sleeping. A half hour passed, one of the quietest half hours I ever spent in my life, awake. And then I stood up and began to walk. I noticed Jeckerson look up once and watch me as I paced the little round room. But then he dropped back into his careless attitude and seemed to fall asleep. Although I knew that he was only half asleep, like the rabbit, which animal always sleeps with one eye open. Link followed me. His steps were right behind mine. I knew he would stick with me. I walked a few times around the little room and then out into the broad living room. The more I walked, the braver I seemed to get. I suppose it takes exercise to make a fellow's mind stronger. Anyway, I walked up and down that living room and the skinny guy was walking right behind me. Where are you going? He would ask about every other time I turned around. But if he would have watched me, he would have known that I wasn't going anywhere, just walking up and down to keep myself from thinking about spooks. Where are you going? He would ask. And I would never answer him. Yet his question repeated so often got me so rattled at last that to keep from hearing his silly talk, I began to count my steps. One, two, three, and so on. I counted as I walked, and by the time I reached 16, I was up to the other wall and turning around to walk back. What you trying to do, Hawkins? asked the skinny guy at last, as he stopped and watched me walk up and down. What's the use of wearing yourself out walking like that? You don't have to if you don't want to, I said, sort of snappish. Sit you down in a chair and sleep like Doc. 
And that other man, I've got to walk. I'm nervous, I am. The skinny guy laughed, and then all of a sudden, he let out a startled cry that he smothered the next instant with his hand over his mouth. It was the sudden flickering out of the candle on the table in the tower room next to us that plunged the whole place into darkness. It startled me too, for a little, but I hurried over and fumbled around on the tabletop for another candle, got it, and struck a match and lit it, and then I knew that both Doc Waters and Mr. Jekerson were asleep. They hadn't even noticed the candle go out. Maybe Jekerson had, but if so, he pretended to sleep on, maybe to see what we would do. After I lighted the candle and stuck it tight in some of its own grease, I turned back to find the skinny guy walking up and down in the next room as I had. Hawkins, he said, do you think the man we saw come into the house is still here? Don't ask me, I said, and picking up the electric flashlight, I walked to the outer door and threw it open. Somehow or other, I just had to get out of that house or suffocate. I don't know what it was that made me want to leave, but I knew I needed a breath of fresh air. Skinny Guy followed me out. I stood for a moment in the crisp night air, and then with a shiver, I turned back into the house. But I didn't go back into the room where Doc and the detective were, no. Somehow or other, I felt stronger, braver now. I started up the stairway. Link was at my heels. Slowly we went up, the creaks of the stairs sounding twice as loud in the stillness of the night. All was dark, save where the little shaft of light from my electric torch pierced the inky blackness. I paused on the threshold and threw my light into every corner. Not a sound, not a thing to be seen. Empty rooms dusty and grimy. I stood the flashlight on the windowsill, from where it threw its light to the center of the floor, and hardly without noticing what I was doing, I began to pace up and down as I had done in the room below. One, two, three. I could not tell you why I counted my steps. Perhaps because I had been doing that in the room below. I don't know. But I walked up and down and counted my steps silently. One, two, three, and so on. And I came to the other wall when I had counted twelve. Suddenly I stopped as I turned. Link! I exclaimed. And then I was silent. The skinny guy coughed nervously. The flashlight somehow or other was loosened from its place on the windowsill and tumbled to the floor. With a loud noise, the skinny guy cried out. Hawkins, he yelled, where are you? For the light had gone out, and we were in the dark. I hurried over and took hold of Link. Hush, I said, everything's all right. The only thing I was going to say is this. The room below is 16 steps from wall to wall. The room up here right over the one we were in below, is only 12. You understand what that means, Link? No, he said, and I could feel his skinny bones shaking like the dickens. 
A light came from the door. Doc Waters held it, and behind him was Jekerson. I give you credit, Hawkins, said Jekerson. You've discovered the old man's hiding place? How so? broke in Doc Waters. He seemed to be still half asleep. What's up, anyway? The room below measures sixteen strides, I said. This one up here is only twelve. There's a secret room up here, somewhere. Hawkins is right, said Jekerson. Now, how to get at it is the next question. Light up these candles, boys. We lit a half dozen candles and placed them at different places in the room, so that the whole room was lighted, although dimly. Then Jekerson took my flashlight and ran the light all over the walls. Here, he said, pounding on the wall opposite the door into the round tower room, is where the room is. And he thumped his hand again and again upon the wall. Suddenly there came a faint, high-pitched voice from beyond the wall. Who is it? Is it you, boy with the sad face? We didn't answer. It sounded so hollow, that faint voice, and so ghostly. We couldn't say a word. Jekerson motioned us back while he again examined the walls, but he came away shaking his head. No use trying to find it tonight, he said. Tomorrow will do. There's a secret about opening a door to this room. Put out these candles and let's get downstairs. We have him safely anyhow, and tomorrow we'll break through that wall. Listen, what does that sound? Like a flash, we had snuffed out all the candles, and Jackerson snapped off the electric torch. We were in darkness. From below came the sound of the door closing, slowly. You could never mistake that sound once you heard it, and we had heard it often enough for the hinges of the outer door were so rusty that they played a tune every time the door was opened. Don't breathe a sound, whispered Jekerson, as he held out his arms and shoved us back far from the doorway. Steps were sounding on the stairs, light steps and quick. Although it was dark in the room, we could still see the darker shape that flitted quickly through the door into the room and turning to the left, stood in front of the wall, from behind which had come the faint voice. He seemed to be unaware that anyone else was there beside him, and suddenly he stooped, and then right afterward a square of the wall swung outward, and a flood of light came streaming through the opening. And in the opening was the old man with the lantern. He held it out of the opening in the wall, and there was a smile upon his withered face. The dark figure that had come up the steps came forward into the light, and I saw it was a boy. I knew him, the boy with the scar. I could tell by the way he wore his hat pulled down low over his eyes. I brought you your supper, said the boy with the scar, holding out the parcel to the old man. You must be terribly hungry by now. Oh, said the old man with a smile, I don't need much, Sonny. You're so good to an old man. The boy with the scar pretended not to hear him. The old man's look turned to one of sadness as he shook his head. 
It never grows, he said. Always one, 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 every time. I bring one. Did you go over there tonight? Asked the boy quickly. Yes, I was there, answered the old man, but I left only one. There was no more. The boy with the scar lifted his hand and shook his head impatiently. That'll do, Grandpop, he said. It's all I wanted to know. Something funny's going on. Then, without another word, he turned swiftly and left the old man. We heard his footsteps clattering down the rickety stairs, as though he weren't afraid of ghosts. The outer door closed with its old, familiar, rusty tune. The old man stood unmoving in the doorway, listening to the sounds of the retreating boy. But before he had time to close the door, Jekerson was before him. He shoved himself between the old man and the open door. The old man gave a cry of surprise and sudden fright. Who are you? he screamed. What do you want here? Who are you? Come now, said Jekerson soothingly in a low voice, patting the old man upon the shoulder. We are your friends. We've come to help you, sir. Look, these friends I have with me. See, they are all your friends. He gazed with glassy eyes as Doc and the skinny guy and I followed Jekerson into the secret room. As soon as his eyes fell upon me, however, his face lit up with a smile. Oh, Zachary Hawkins, he cried. I know. Yes, you are friends. He helped me once, helped me as God knows I was helping somebody else. I stepped up to him and held up my hand. Mr. Galerio, I said, I'm glad to see you again. Can we help you? He took my hand in his bony fingers and pressed it, just like he did that night when I read for him the faded letter. Perhaps, he said, weakly, perhaps you can help, though I don't know. He passed his shaking hand before his eyes and sank into a chair beside the little table. And it was then that I noticed what a queer room it was, as narrow as a packing case. No windows, only three little ventilators in the ceiling, and yet crowded with bookshelves, filled with musty-looking volumes of olden days, colors faded and edges ragged. The old man was crying. He had his withered face buried in his bony hands, but we could hear his whimpering. All over, he whimpered, trying to fix it right, but too late now. All over now. Jackerson put his big arm around the little old man. You did your best, old man, he said. Everything will turn out all right. The only mistake you made was hiding yourself in this secret room. You should have come right to me. Look at my face. Have you ever seen me before? The old man raised his eyes and gazed into the brown eyes of Jackerson. And then he started back. By the Jehovah, he said, you're one of the two tramps who lived in this house. I played the part of a tramp, said Jekerson, with a smile, just to try and find out what you were doing here. But you were too slick for me, Mr. Grillario. You'll have to hand it to young Secretary Hawkins here for figuring out where your hiding place was. The old man turned his eyes upon me and this time they were not friendly. You, he exclaimed, pointing his bony finger at me. You promised to keep my secret. I never knew of this secret room, I broke in. 
But Jekerson cut me short. Come, he said. We must explain this whole matter to Judge Granbury. Let us go to his office at once, which we did. End of chapter 30